Today on Stick to Football, we break down the ACC. You get the Atlantic and the Coastal, even though that's redundant and stupid. We're also going to talk about breakout players, Heisman hopefuls, answer your draft on draft questions. But first, we got to run you through some news that is happening around the league. Mello Connor, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, we got a great show today. Probably the best show that we've ever done. I think so. Anyway. I would say so. And I think that we even got around to mentioning every team in the ACC. We came close. I don't know if we said every team, but we came pretty damn close. Uh, I think it's going to be really good because this conference has a lot of draft prospects that we're going to talk about and a lot of guys that aren't draft eligible that'll be stars in college football. But before we get through all of that, we are going to kick things off going around the league because there's a lot going on in training camps right now, Um, starting with my New York Jets. Actually, we'll start with their enemy, their biggest enemy, and that is the New England Patriots. (laughs) Tom Brady signed an extension. It looks like we'll have to deal with him for a couple more years it never really ends but I'll say this about Brady he's been playing on a discount for a while and it seems like he finally got not his full worth but something close right guys yeah two years 70 million and I think Giselle's making up for any lack of income that Tommy's bringing they're okay (laughs) Uh, as well as you know Under Armour and Uggs but still I mean I you still want to be paid for your credit because there are a lot of people that would go out and say (laughs) Rogers excuse me Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. There are a lot of quarterbacks, though, that would want to go out and get their full money and their full worth. And Tom Brady is one of the best quarterbacks of all time. I I think he's the best quarterback of all time, but he's never been the highest paid guy. He has always been on that discount. And the dude's 42 years old and he just signed a two year extension. I'm very glad that we get two more years of Tom Brady and we don't have to worry about this being his last season or talking about it for the next eight months on whether or not he's going to retire. I'm glad that we know Tom Brady two more years. I've reached the point where I'm just like, he's not human and it's just unreal. So I'm just appreciating it. Do you remember like five years ago when they started talking about how he was done? He was on the decline. He was not going to make it. It could have been longer than five years ago. I mean, like 10 years ago. I can remember 12 years ago when people were so he's 30. It's going to drop off. (laughs) Uh, He got hurt. Everyone's like, oh, how will he come back from this? Just fine. He will be just fine. Let's move to your New York Jets, though, Connor. Ryan Khalil comes out of retirement to play for the Jets. I like this for a couple reasons. The obvious, you know, veteran leadership uh, in the middle of the offensive line is huge for this team. I really do think it solidifies an underrated now front five. The key for me, I think you have to tip the old cap to Joe Douglas, to Adam Gase, to Dal Loggins, because they... Right. (laughs) Throw him in there. They commanded the respect of Ryan Khalil for him to come out of retirement and play for them. I don't think he's coming out of retirement to just play for anyone after spending so much time with the Carolina Panthers. The fact that he wants to be a New York Jet, I think, says a lot about that organization right now. Yeah, I think it does, too. I think it shows that they are going to be a good competitive team, even though I pissed off everybody in the Jets community saying that they weren't going to have a good year. Uh, Spoiler alert, what I say doesn't affect their season at all for you guys. (laughs) But I really do like this Ryan Khalil signing. Watching him on All or Nothing and and seeing him cry over his last game, uh, really, it was just heartbreaking. So I'm glad that we get to see another year. And him with the Jets is going to be a very good fit. 
I think so, too. I think when you look at the Jets having Jonathan Harrison previously penciled in as the starting center, this kicks him now as, you know, some insurance behind these guys at guard and center. Khalil is somebody who maybe isn't necessarily playing at that five-time Pro Bowl level right now, but if the Jets get 75% of that, that's a tremendous upgrade here at center for, uh, you know, a leader for Sam Darnold, number one. That's obviously huge, just a leader in that locker room and a guy with a lot of experience, but more importantly... If they get mediocrity out of the center position this year, that's a gigantic upgrade from last year. Gigantic. And playing next to Kaleche Osemele probably helps a little bit too. So a late signing for the Jets, a late addition to training camp here, but undoubtedly if he could stay on the field, it's a big one. Yeah, and here is a big one. A guy that did not stay on the field, Dante Foreman, really never got going with the Houston Texans. He has been cut. Uh, John McClain reported that. Maybe this opens the door for Melvin Gordon because this is a team that does not have much at the running back position. Foreman, towards Achilles last year, um, the, the, his rookie year really just wasn't good. I know he said that he was dealing with you know d- d- grief, I guess is the way to say it, over an infant son who had died in 2016. He had an arrest for weed with an unlicensed gun. I mean, it just... It just seemed like he never really had his head on straight. You know, I remember not having great interactions with his dad. Oh, his dad was a His dad was, right? Am I remembering right? Yes, his dad threw a a fit. Uh, I don't even know. I don't remember that. But his dad threw a fit because his twin brother wasn't getting played enough. He also threw a fit because it came out that he was going to declare for the draft. And he was like, that's not true. That's not happening. And he declared for the draft. On Twitter? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. Always great when prospect parents are on Twitter. I, I have some DMs I'll, I'll send you guys later. <laughs> yeah, thank you. We definitely want to hear it. Yeah. And I just saw this news coming across that maybe the Texans were going to be interested in a trade. Uh, it sounds like maybe Melvin Gordon might be taking Deontay Foreman's place there uh, with the Texans. I really thought that Trent Williams was going to be a guy that they would target because they really need a left tackle. But I guess they kind of need a running back, too. All right, and let's uh, let's close this out, fellas, with one of the coolest videos I saw this week, and I just want to embrace a player that I have given a decent amount of shit to over the last year. We were cool, then we weren't cool, and I want to be cool again. Baker Mayfield's shotgun is the best shotgun I've ever seen anyone other than Luke Combs do. They throw this man a can at an Indians game, and he bites a hole in that motherfucker. It's ridiculous. And chugs the beer, rocking a Lindor jersey. It was fantastic. So, Baker, we can be cool again, man. I don't know if we can be cool again. I still hold my vendetta against him. But I will say that was the most epic beer shotgunning or chug that I've ever seen from a professional athlete. I, it really got the crowd going. He's rocking his mustache, his Lindor jersey. The fact that he bit a hole in it. I've seen a few people do this in my time, but n- never a millionaire, never a franchise quarterback. <laughs> and I actually, I really like it. I, I liked it. He did it in Cleveland at a baseball game. I think it gets that fan base going. That's all right. Already excited for him and then doing it in August when training camp starting and uh, the preseason. I mean, I think it really sets the bar high for going into this season. And I love the shotgun. So there you go, Browns fans. I said something good about Baker. The biting the can was ruthless an absolutely ruthless move. There's so many things that can go wrong with that whether it doesn't pierce through or whether it does and you split open your lip or whatever. Yeah. But it was seamless. It was perfect. It was at good timing, uh, no problems. The crowd went absolutely nuts. Lindor hit a home run. 
Uh, Lindor is on my fantasy team, so I love when Lindor hits home runs. So it was awesome. I I think we always joke about on this show how much, you know, Baker can uh, rub people the wrong way or whatever it is. But if you're a fan of Cleveland sports, Baker is the perfect person to be uh, representing all of the sports teams in that city right now. He really is. And I will say, man, his leadership... If they win, his leadership is going to be that thing that we point back to and say, like, and and even, you know, his style of play, it's just he's fiery and it can rub people the wrong way. Um, It can also piss off some cops when you try to run from them. It, It can make Kansas fans upset when they don't shake your hand before the coin toss. But I I think that it is it's right for that culture in that city of, you know what? They've always been the Browns. They've always been a joke. Baker comes in and he's like, you know what? fuck it, I don't care, because this is how I am, and we're going to win football games. And they won seven games last year, which is like the last 10 years combined for them. So if they win, uh, they're going to be building a a statue with a mustache on it to Baker outside that stadium. (laughs) Guys, let's break down the ACC. This is not a division or conference, excuse me, to be very excited about, other than we have the returning national champion Clemson Tigers. They bring back football Jesus and Trevor Lawrence. They're the best running back in the country, Arguably, and Travis Etienne, they have a monster receiving duo of T. Higgins and Justin Ross, as well as some other guys thrown in there. This is a very good team that will have to replace their entire defensive line. That's the key here. Actually, five starters in the defensive line are gone, or players. Five guys can't start in the D-line. Looking at the Atlantic side of the ACC, I think it is all Clemson, all day, All the way, I don't know if anyone can compete with this team. Last summer, when we previewed Clemson, I sat in this exact chair and said, if they do not go undefeated, it is a disappointing season. They did. And they won a national championship. I think the same thing is true this year. If they do not go undefeated, this year is a disappointment. Yeah, we've talked about some of these other conferences and how they're too team heavy. Uh, I don't think that the ACC is one of those conferences. I think it's all all about Clemson, all about the Tigers. And I think a lot of our listeners know everything about them with the receiver, the running back, obviously the quarterback, and the fact that they even have some very good recruits coming in and stepping in for those defensive linemen that they lost. So this is going to be a clear winner in the Atlantic division. I'm with you guys here. I think there's some exciting on the rise kind of teams that are building here, whether it is Syracuse, Miami, of course, in in this conference, Florida State hoping to rebound after one of their worst seasons in a very long time. But Clemson is one of the best college football teams in a preseason that I can remember in a very long time, whether it is the superstar quarterback, the superstar wide receivers. It's hilarious because Two of the best players in the entire country are on this team, and they're not even draft eligible, and that's Trevor Lawrence and Justin Ross. And then you look at the guys that are in T. Higgins, a Travis Etienne, a lot of guys across the offensive line, especially in the interior. This is a loaded unit. I, I know a lot of people, or pretty much everyone, hasn't seen the guys that are stepping in the shoes of all of those defensive linemen that were just drafted in the first round, but they have talent. They're highly touted recruit kind of guys that are ready to go. So it's Clemson all the way. And I am fully with you that anything but an undefeated championship season would be considered a disappointment here guys. And and so we all agree. Clemson's going to be amazing on the coastal side. There's the Atlantic and the coastal. I don't understand it because the Atlantic is a coast. It's a fucking ocean. There's a coast. I don't know why they do this shit. Like, how are these smart people? They run colleges and they can't name a fucking conference. I don't get it. So, Just do north south. Anyway, easy. the coastal winner, 
I think what you said there, Connor, Miami is on the rise. With Manny Diaz, I think it will be exciting to see what he does taking over for Mark Richt. Can he get this team close? Kind of like Kirby Smart did. Mark Richt got Georgia close. Kirby Smart comes in, closes the gap a little bit. We'll see if Manny Diaz can do that. We know the defense will be nasty. This is his first time as a head coach, though, after a lot of very good years as a master defensive coordinator. I think Miami is the coastal winner here, and I don't know if there will be actually a lot of competition for that. Uh, I don't see Virginia Tech is quite ready under Justin Fuente. I really don't see Virginia outside. I mean, they do have some good players. Pitt, eh, North Carolina, no thanks. Duke, definitely not. I, I think it's Miami's division to win or lose, but I think there is a gigantic question at quarterback that has to be answered. Is it going to be our guy Tate Martell under center, taking snaps and leading this team, hopefully you know, back to where we used to see Miami be? Yeah, and I, I agree with you too there. I don't know that it is a clear cut Tate Martell as the starter. I think that there are probably some backdoor promises that happen in this transfer portal and things that go on with it. So I, I do expect him to start, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see Perry uh, taking some snaps this year either. Two great running backs and, and obviously a very, very good defense this year. I love their linebackers that they have. So I have Miami winning the Coastal as well. I I, I think that they'll probably run away with it. I, I kind of like Virginia, Virginia Tech. But I do think that Miami is going to be the clear favorite uh, in the Coastal Division. I think they're one of those teams this year that are, are quietly one of the best teams in the country, really. They Or they could be. They have the potential there because we don't know what Tate Martell is going to bring to this offense. There's been a lot of excitement about him since he was in high school, where he was on a, a team that never lost football games ever, and then went to Ohio State, where all they do is churn out great quarterback after great quarterback. Obviously got pushed out there for a guy named Justin Fields that's going to be all-world very soon. But there's a lot of excitement for a team that had a great defense last year. They're going to have a great defense this year, but now they potentially have the quarterback to lead them to more wins. So I, the players love Manny Diaz. I mean, when Gerald Willis was on this show, he said nothing but great things about Manny Diaz and said he'd be shocked if he's not in a national title game soon. Maybe there's some hyperbole there, but this Miami team is loaded. I don't think they're ready to take the entire conference yet, but on their side in the Coastal, to me, they're the runaway favorite. Yeah, I think we do see Miami-Clemson uh, come out of this conference as the two winners. And looking at that matchup, I will take Clemson. But I want to say this about Miami because we, we've talked so much about Clemson and, and how great that offense is and what they're, they're bringing in prospect-wise on defense. But Miami's defense, like I, I know that we've, we've just said it, it's going to be really, really good. They might have the best linebacker duo in the country uh, with Pinckney and Quarterman. They got Trevon Hill. Do you guys remember him at Virginia Tech who looked amazing and of then course, disappeared? Yes. He's at Miami now. We'll play this year for them. So this defense could be nasty. I don't know if it's good enough to stop Clemson because Clemson's just unbelievable, but... That's a that's an ACC championship game you want to watch. Yeah, because you get to see that good, uh, high quality defense against a very high powered offense. And I think Manny Diaz is one of the best defensive coordinators in the nation, and that's why he's the head coach now. So he will be able to scheme. I, I also have it going Clemson Miami with Clemson as our winner in the conference. I, I don't think that's any surprise here. If you're a fan of any of these teams in the SEC. 
ACC, sorry, you, you know that it's probably going to come down to Clemson. I think it's hard to pick anything else when it comes down to it right now. Clemson's just ready. I think Miami is exciting and ascending. That's the great thing about this conference for a while. You look at it and it's Clemson or whether it was Florida State. Now Syracuse, who we're going to talk about a lot on this show. There's a lot to be excited about there on both sides of the ball for them. But Miami is ready to put the foot on the gas this year, ready to go. And it's going to be come down to that matchup. But I just don't see anyone in this conference toppling this Clemson team unless they go through some kind of devastating injury. Yeah, exactly. Teams on the come up, guys. We uh, did not agree on these, which is always nice. I'm going with Louisville. It's easy to be better than 2-10, and 10, which is where they were last year. We got Scott Satterfield coming in as a head coach first year here, but he was amazing at App State. I'm so happy to see him getting a chance to be a head coach at a Power 5 school. Louisville, I think that that rebound from losing Lamar Jackson and losing so many guys on defense was tough, but I think Satterfield will get it turned around at Louisville. I mean, they're never going to be a national contender perennially, but they're going to be good enough. Yeah, and I'm going to steal this one. I, I, I got in here first, so I think we can all agree Syracuse is going to be the up-and-coming team. I think they probably already were last year, but I actually think that they can compete with Clemson. I don't think that they're going to win this conference or their division, but this is a very good team. I actually think they're probably the second, third at least, best team in this entire conference. I really like what they're doing. Uh, Dino Babers, as the head coach, has really been a great program builder for them. You look at the quarterback position, I know that they lost uh, Eric Dungy, Tony's son, last year. That's a joke. I'd know the difference. And they're bringing in Tommy DeVito, who actually saw a lot of starts. I think he's the better quarterback. I think he was last year. Another year with him in the system to grow is going to be very exciting. And the defense is actually the best part of this team, uh, led by their All-American safety, Andre Sisco. Absolutely love him. They returned seven guys on this defense. Uh, Alton Robinson, who looks like he could be a pretty good pass rusher, returning for his senior year. This is a very, very good team. They're definitely on the come up, and I think they can compete in the ACC with anyone, including a good Clemson team. Yeah, we always forget they took Clemson right down to the wire last year. So it's they're right in the thick of things. They got some... Great players returning on defense, as you alluded to, Mello, and New Jersey's very own Tommy DeVito. I think his arm opens up the offense a little more. That's the most important thing for Cuse this year. I went with Florida State here because I think what a disappointment last year was, and we've we've read all the stories. We've had you know Matt Hayes on the show to talk about it. Jimbo left a mess there, and some of the players that were inherited uh, when the new staff took over – we're not fully bought in, and I think things will turn around this year. I don't think they'll necessarily be great. I think Clemson, Syracuse, and Miami will finish with better overall records than them, but I think Florida State will get back to winning ways with players that are there in that system. They're bought in. I think James Blackman and Cam Akers are poised for pretty big years there after you know kind of a disappointing campaign last season in terms of what the expectations are. So Florida State, I think, it's hard to call them on the rise because they're such a historic program. But I think they're going to have a comeback season. Well, let's just move right into overrated because I picked Florida State. I think that they are Ooh. living <laughs> off a reputation. Like, they're living off a brand. They're not that good. And I, I hope I'm wrong because I actually, you know, I mean, growing up in the 90s, like, Florida State was the shit. You know, like, Peter Warwick and all those dudes, Lavernius Coles, like, they were so good. I just don't think they're any good. And I... I really don't know if Willie Taggart is the guy to get that place back where it needs to be. That's fair. Yeah, I, that's I just a question really mark. don't like. I like Willie, but man, I just don't know. I really don't. And I, I know that 
You know, he had some ties to to South Florida. Um, he wasn't that good at Oregon for the year he was there. And now we look at this Florida State team like they're falling so far behind in their own state again. They're behind Florida. They're behind Miami. Fuck, UCF might be stealing recruits from FSU. They're just I really do think that they're like they got cool helmets and they're a name. I don't know if they have any players. Cam Akers needs to have a bounce back here. He was awful last year and I know you can blame the offensive line you can blame the quarterbacks but guess who picked those players so do better yeah and I do think that Jimbo Jimbo, yeah Jimbo (laughs) Jimbo really left them in a a wreck there Uh, I do think that both things can be true because I kind of like Tagger and after reading the story I'm really supporting him so I actually I'm gonna agree with both of you guys here (laughs) I think that they are on the come up but it's going to take a while. I said that about one of the other teams, too. Like Both can be true. Uh, you can be on the come up and you can be overrated. I'm going to piss a lot of people off. And honestly, I even kind of pissed myself off with this one because I love the Virginia Tech Hokies. They've always been a team that I've rooted for. I just don't know if Justin Fuentes is getting the job done. He's 25 and 15 there as a head coach. And that's just not going to cut it at a program like Virginia Tech. We have not seen them be the Virginia Tech that we're used to in a very long time. Uh, They can't establish the run game. The the running backs just aren't producing like they used to be able to. Ryan Willis at quarterback looked pretty damn good during his time there, but I think that Virginia Tech is a team that maybe is not on the rise. They might be on the decline. I I think you can put Justin Fuentes on the hot seat. I I don't see it happening with Virginia Tech. And they lose Bud Foster's defensive coordinator. Yeah, this going to be after this year, yeah. Right. So it is going to be tough for Virginia Tech. Uh, me and Matt were talking about it sometime this weekend. And I was like, you just you don't see very many Virginia Tech players in the NFL anymore. Even like, they had the Edmonds brothers from last year, but it's just not this NFL factory that it used to be. And, and it really sucks because I love Virginia Tech, but they're going to be my overrated team this year. And this is the first conference where after you guys made your picks, I didn't pick a team. Because I don't think there's any expectations for anyone else. <laughs> I really true. don't. I just I, I look at this. We expect Clemson to go undefeated. We expect Miami to be one of the better teams in the country. We think Florida State will at least improve from last year. And we think Syracuse is quietly one of the better teams in the country as well. I don't think Louisville is very good. And I don't think anyone expects them to be. Same with Wake Forest. Boston College has a household name in A.J. Dillon. But is anyone expecting them to be a, a top three team they lost in that entire conference? offensive line. Right. Exactly. The entire offensive line is gone. So and they haven't been able to get anything from the quarterback position. So I I look here. uh, Pitt has fallen off a little bit. Virginia is whatever. I I think Virginia Tech will bounce back a little bit this year. But like you said, Mello, the star power is kind of lacking there or at least has been recently. Uh, Duke lost, uh, you know, Daniel Jones. How are you going to survive without that? I, I, I mean, that's how crazy it was. That team sucked. Absolutely sucked, and they have a couple players on defense, but losing Daniel Jones, and uh, there's not much to be excited about there. Georgia Tech is going through one of the craziest transitions we've seen in college football in a long time, where they don't have the personnel to do what they want to do yet, so it's going to take time. I don't think anyone's overrated in this division. Yeah, and I I do love what Georgia Tech is doing as well. If you if I needed to pick another team that I think is on the come up, I really like Coach Collins take time. and how he's kind of He's a good social media presence. I just feel like he's probably a good recruiter. So I like what they're doing. Every team in North Carolina, I think you could say, is probably uh, not on the come up. I don't know how you want to word that one, but it's going to be a rough year for anybody in the ACC if you're trying to compete with Clemson. Even uh, teams like Virginia, who have a lot of talent, I don't know that they can do it either. 
When you're talking about players in the ACC, it's very, very easy to just get lost in Clemson and how great they are. And when we talk about Heisman hopefuls, it's Clemson. And I wanted to pick uh, someone other than a Clemson player because I got in the dock last this morning because I'm lazy. I'm not really. I'm just moving. Um, You guys took Clemson players. And so I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to take one, too. Um, I think, Melo, you should go first because you, because you got the obvious one. Mine is the obvious one. I did go with Trevor Lawrence, and I think that he would probably be my favorite to win the Heisman this year. Obviously, I, I love Trevor Lawrence. I think he's my favorite college quarterback. He's probably my second favorite quarterback in the whole world, right behind Pat Mahomes. But he has just that name recognition. Uh, he's going to put up a lot more numbers this year uh, with those two great receivers. And then ETN uh, taking carries and scoring touchdowns too. It's really going to help Lawrence, but this is a quarterback award. And, and if I'm picking somebody from the ACC, it's definitely going to be Trevor Lawrence, man. It, it is tough because he seems like such a runaway favorite, but I was campaigning so hard last year for ETN to win this award on a team that was not losing any football games. There was times where, they really relied on him as they went through that weird quarterback transition. And even when Trevor Lawrence looked way more hurt than he was on that crazy, crazy hit, ETN, I thought, really deserved a lot of praise. And, you know, just the expectations are huge for him this year where he should be one of the Heisman frontrunners out of the gate. And I'm excited about him. I'm excited about this whole offense. My biggest question with them is, do they kind of eat away at each other's campaigns, mm-hmm. whether it's Justin Ross, T. Higgins, ETN, Lawrence? There's so many faces in this offense that are expected to put up all-American type numbers. But if I have to go with someone, I'm, I'm going with ETN again. Yeah, and again, I was late to the party this morning, so I am going to take Justin Ross. And I'm OK with that because I, I didn't realize this because like, I mean, obviously watch every game and, and you see him play, but it's like, oh, he's a true freshman. I don't need to watch him. Dude had 1000 yards receiving on 46 catches. Yeah, average over 20 yards a catch. If you want to do That's that. That's amazing. Math it's amazing. So seeing him this year, I think being a big old, a bigger part of the offense, uh, a better connection with Trevor Lawrence. I think they might actually have to rely on the pass a little bit more as people stack up to stop Travis Etienne. So Justin Ross can have a big year. And I intentionally picked Ross over T Higgins. I think he's better. Yeah, T Higgins th- is good. I think Ross is I better. I think he's going to establish himself more this year as that true number one. He led, led Clemson in yards. He just didn't have as many catches as Higgins. All right, defense for Heisman, guys, you know the drill. When college football starts in 20 days, we want you to hashtag us on Saturdays. Hashtag defense for Heisman. Send it to Aztec Football. Let's call out. Let's build up these standout defensive players. My guy is Bryce Hall, the corner from Virginia, a senior who's also a good draft prospect. He really is six foot one, 200 pounds. Last year had two picks. 21 passes defense last year, though, and he lives around the football. And again, we talked about Virginia a little bit. They're they're not going to take over this conference anytime soon. I mean, they could maybe compete a little bit in the Coastal, but I think Bryce Hall is one of the better defenders in all of college football, or one of the better secondary players in all of college football. So. I agree with you, and he's going to be a senior, which is very exciting. I think he might be one of the best senior corners that we will see at the Senior Bowl in, in recent history, at least. My guy that I'm picking, and I'm sorry that this is all about Clemson, it's not intentional, but I actually think that Isaiah Simmons, if we're going defense for Heisman, I think that he has a chance to do it with the way that they use him on defense. Uh, if you're talking about him as a draft prospect he's been listed as a safety he's been listed as a linebacker and that's because they play this guy 
everywhere. He will line up at outside linebacker. He'll, he'll drop deep at safety. They have even played him at nickel corner sometimes. He's very special. I think that he can get the tackles, obviously, and some interceptions and make some big plays for this defense who's going to see a lot of attention this year. And I went with Alton Robinson here from Syracuse. Ten sacks last year. He's really, really on the rise. When you look at that defense, it's exciting that he'll be back this year, and he's a true double-digit sack player up front on that defensive line. And there are a lot of good defensive players in this conference. I know we struggled with that with the Big 12 at times, but even you look at Mark Gilbert returning for Duke at corner, there were big expectations for him last year. You guys mentioned two really good players that, This conference always has great D-line play, but there's some great secondary players as well. The Miami linebackers being back is very exciting, but Alton Robinson, to me, is the guy that really stands out. Yeah, and I I, this is a a conference that has a lot of really good defensive players, and the Miami linebackers definitely deserve credit. I want to throw another name out there. Keep an eye on Xavier Thomas at Clemson this year. I know they're excited about him stepping into that role uh, of being a leader for them, and maybe he should be this for me, my breakout player, but I'm actually going to take Andre Sisco from Clem- from Syracuse. Excuse me. Not enough folks, I think, talk about how good he is as a defensive back. I, it's only as true sophomore. Last year, he had seven interceptions as a true freshman. He had nine passes defensed. Uh, he had 60 tackles. He was just all over the field for them. So keep an eye on number seven for Syracuse. We talk so much about Grant Delpit and Caden Stearns. Andre Sisco should honestly be in that conversation, and that's my fault for not putting him in with that that group of safeties. He should be. He's the Kevin Byard of college football. Like he is one of yeah. the top safeties that no one talks about. He was AP first team last year, and a lot of people still don't know who he is. I, I love that pick. I'm going to go with a tight end. I'm going Brevin Jordan out of Miami. Uh, he didn't have very many catches last year, uh, only 32 with four touchdowns, not a lot of yards either. I think that changes this year because he's getting his old quarterback back with Tate Martell, and I think he's going to be a real focus of this offense. Elite level athleticism. I really like what he can do. I think that I believe he's a redshirt sophomore, so he might even be a draft eligible guy. Uh, he's going to be eventually so he's going to be somebody to watch and I really think that they're going to focus on him trying to get the ball to him early uh, not having Tate Martell stand back there and take a lot of hits or Perry if he's taking the snaps uh, there's not a lot of help on that offensive line Jeff Thomas returns at receiver but other than that I think that Brevin Jordan is the number one target on this Miami team and I think they're going to get the ball to him often I went with James Blackman here I just think this is an offense that Things are really going to turn around for them with the coaching staff they have in place. I think Blackman's a guy that he gets to school. He's tall, very tall, but so lean. It's crazy how lean he is. He almost looks like a shooting guard at times playing the quarterback position. So hopefully he bulked up this offseason because he has the arm and overall ability to be really, really good, really emerge. Francois was blocking him. I told you guys, I've said on the show a lot, when I went down to Miami last year when Florida State came into town in the press box they sat me with the entire Florida State staff and you could just hear them discussing that the program was so torn on Francois because they felt the need to be loyal to him but they were also getting fed up with his frustrations and some of his play on the field they're excited to go into the James Blackman era here and I'm excited, too, to see how they develop him and see if he can really turn things around for that struggling offense. Guys, let's talk about the 2020 NFL draft. Uh, when it comes to the ACC, you know, last year we talked about D-line a lot. 
I think this year it'll be more about the receivers and more about the DBs. I have been tasked with giving you a list of quarterbacks and running backs to watch. Ugh, there aren't very many quarterbacks, guys. See you uh, next year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> See you next year. See you in 2021. Bryce Perkins at Virginia uh, is a prospect as a senior, but we're talking late round to undrafted. Um, I really don't think we're there yet with Tommy DeVito. He's a redshirt sophomore. That's really about it. Anthony Brown is a redshirt junior at Boston College. Ryan Willis at Virginia Tech. These are not guys that I consider off last year's film to be draftable. Now, at running back, there is Travis Etienne, who is one of the best running backs in the country. We can arm wrestle over Etienne, Swift, and Taylor. I think this year we'll flesh out who is the best prospect out of those three. But for Clemson, Etienne looks special. Uh, Maybe a little undersized. He's 5'10", 200 pounds, so hopefully we'll see him bulk up a little bit. But, I mean, he's really the focal point here. A.J. Dillon is a massive human being, 6'250", it's like watching Derrick Henry play college football all over again. So him as a draft prospect, we got to see things like agility, change of direction, being able to create laterally. But I am at least excited to see what he does this year uh, for them. Deion Jackson at Duke is someone to watch, a junior who's six foot two twenty. We don't talk about Duke. I know last year uh, he's impressive quarterback, but he is impressive. Cam Akers is the other. Cam Akers as a freshman, I thought this dude's going to be a first round running back. As a sophomore, I thought this dude won't get drafted. As a junior, we need to see which one is true. Who is Cam Akers? And again, I know we can blame that offensive line. It's not good, but he has to show us a little bit more. DJ Dallas at Miami, another one of those smaller guys, 5'10", 200 pounds. There's some talented running backs in the ACC. Yeah, and I uh, got lucky. I don't know how I got so lucky here with this one. I I get receivers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, that's another joke. I'm very funny today. I decided who gets what position. I went with T. Higgins here. Obviously, I think that he has the ability to be one of the top receivers in the entire country, even though he might not be the top receiver on his own damn team. That's how special Clemson is. Uh, Obviously, everybody knows about T. Higgins, though. There are some other guys. The ACC's not loaded at receiver like we've seen with some of these other conferences like we talked about with the Big 12. Uh, but I do like Tamarion Terry out of Florida State. Uh, I think that he's a sophomore redshirt guy. And then Damon Hazleton out of Virginia Tech I think can be a bright spot on this team for Justin Fuentes, for Ryan Willis to kind of get things going there. I really like both of those guys. They're kind of not, uh, not talked about very often when we look at the receivers, but I really like Hazleton's size and I think that he can be a performer. He's only a junior he could come back for his senior year, but I really like him out of Virginia Tech. All right, so I got the big boys up front, and when you look in this conference, I haven't found a lot at the tackle position yet, which I know everybody starts with, you know, obviously in the draft. I know Virginia Tech, Christian Darisaw, he's a younger guy that's still filling out. He might be something to tackle. I just don't expect that to be the case this year. But there's some players on the interior, and you start right with Clemson. You look at all those ETN runs last year, you figure somebody's got to be opening up the holes as he has a potential Heisman campaign this year. So Tremaine Ankrum, John Simpson, and Sean Pollard from Clemson, all three of those guys could be in the draft mix. You look at Miami, Navon Donaldson is in the picture, and then Pitt has Jimmy Morrissey. So those are the five guys. They're all interior players right now, whether it'll be at center or guard, but those guys should be in the draft mix up front. 
All right, guys, on defense, I got the linebackers, which I'm excited about because I love Isaiah Simmons. I think he is the best outside linebacker or off-ball linebacker uh, in the 2020 class as of now just because of his versatility. Um, But he's not the only one. Miami has Michael Pinckney, who I absolutely love as well. Virginia has Charles Snowden. So there's three linebackers that I would say are top 20 linebacker guys um, that, that we'll be looking at on the outside. Now, on the inside, it's Shaq Quarterman at Miami. I mean, 6'1", 235 senior. Uh, he looks very, very good. And really, I mean, will be the focal point of that inside linebacker group for the ACC. Um, Rayshard Ashby at Virginia Tech is so short. And, and I know, like, we just saw Devin White and Devin Bush aren't very, very tall get drafted. But I think Ashby... Uh, he might be 5'9", so I think that might be something that keeps him pushed down a little bit. But as good as this conference is at so many things, linebacker is really not one of them. Yeah, a little weak this year. I do like the Miami guys, uh, and I get to talk about the defensive backs here. And I, you have to start with Bryce Hall. Uh, there are a lot of people that have him as the number one corner in the nation. I have him uh, probably in the more four to five range. I think he could definitely impress us. Great size, great ball skills, uh, because at corner, it's not always about interceptions. And Matt, you already highlighted how many pass breakups this guy had. So I think that he's probably the top corner or member of the secondary from the ACC, but there are some pretty damn good ones in this conference too. Uh, Gilbert out of Duke is a guy that we've been talking about for a while that maybe uh, he can get things going in his senior year. AJ Terrell at Clemson, 6'2", 190. The junior has already made plays and he's kind of already on the scene. Uh, Bassey at Wake Forest is another good corner that they could have. So there's some talent here in the ACC when you're looking at the defensive backs. And I think that there are even more guys, some younger guys that can step up because we saw a lot of guys leave from the ACC last year and they're going to be replaced with some of these younger guys who are coming into their junior season seasons or redshirt sophomore seasons and get play get on the field early so the ACC looking pretty good at defensive back and on the defensive line here definitely a lot of exciting groups not just individual players the first one for me the double digit sack tandem of Kendall Coleman and Alton Robinson at Cuse each of them finished with 10 sacks last year that is very very impressive Coleman's a guy we could see at the senior bowl this year so all eyes will be on them as they create pressures to give your guys, uh, to give your safety a lot of opportunities for interceptions on the back end. You look at Clemson, shocking. They get three guys drafted in the first round. Now they have three more ready to step in. That's Xavier Kelly, Niles Pinckney, Justin Foster. Miami has some impressive players. We talked about Trevon Hill transferring in there. He could play right away. Jalen Phillips will not play this year. He will rest his body and get ready for the following season, but Hill will be ready to go. Jonathan Garvin will be ready to go there. Uh, Rashad Weaver on pit. Carlos Basham on Wake Forest. I know we haven't talked about Wake at all on this show, but if you're looking to circle a name, there you go. And Marvin Wilson on Florida State, who usually has a lot of defensive line talent, no matter how many struggles they've had recently over the years. So in the trenches on the defensive side of the ball, it's draft prospect galore in this conference. Draft on draft time, guys. We got three very good questions today. Carson Fritchie wants to know, in honor of Ed Reed being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, who is the best secondary player ever? So not just corner, not just safety. Second corner and safety. Yeah. Yes. 
I absolutely love Ed Reed, so maybe I'm a little bit biased here, but I don't even know if it's close. I mean, you look at his leadership in that locker room. Uh, there were a lot of people talking about Ray Lewis during their time there, but I really think that Ed Reed was even more important to that defense than Ray Lewis was. His ability to cover over the top is the best that I've ever seen. He set the bar for safety, and nobody's, I don't even think, coming close to what he's been able to do as far as range and disguising coverage and being able to break on the ball, I think that he is far and away the best secondary player ever. Very easy. Very easy answer. Ed Reed, best safety of all time. Darrell Rivas, best cover corner of all time. Done. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm okay with that. Um, I think it's Charles Woodson at corner, but yeah, I'm which okay is fine. with that. Yeah, which, Everybody it's else, though, ex- <laughs> exactly, though, that's my biggest argument. It's not Dion, And people, Dion's like the default answer somehow. Maybe this show just has a, a bias against Dion. Maybe. Like and he's been on the show. so <laughs> Yeah, we liked him, but it's <laughs> not Dion. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> I think Ed Reed is the best secondary player of all time. It's something I've never yes. really had to think about before. But uh, Mello and I doing radio on Saturday, we talked about him. I thought he was far and away the best safety of all time. Uh, I do think that he, if you want to throw the corners in there too. Did you guys see he thanked Bill Belichick during his speech? Yes. I didn't see that one. Yeah. Great. Yeah. He's just like, well, it did, I don't think he meant to, but he did. Um, if Bill Belichick says you're the best safety to ever play the game, guess what? You're the best safety to ever play the game. So I'm yeah, okay. Be like Nick Saban giving you credit too. After we're done here recording today, I'm going to go lay on my couch and just watch Ed Reed highlights. It could be just him talking and telling locker room stories or him playing. I'm going to do that for Even the next college six he was hours. So good at Miami. Very good. Charlie Maliska. Next question. Who would you pick to be your intro speaker if you were inducted into the Hall of Fame? Oh, that's a tough so one. So I have uh, had a couple opportunities in life to have someone speak for me um marriages and Mello gave both of my best man speeches and i got <laughs> divorced both times so oh i feel like they would Over probably two. kick me out of the hall of fame if Mello did my speech <laughs> but you you give such good speeches the eulogy you gave at bartender dan's funeral is probably the best speech i've ever heard so if i can't take Mello, i'm gonna take matthew mcconaughey have you ever seen that dude give a speech <sighs> It's yeah, like it's very moving. Good. He's a, an amazing speaker. So I'm going to take McConaughey. I'm just going to go off the rails here and just get ridiculous. Any opportunity that I can have Quinnen Williams speak, he's going <laughs> oh to do it. Yes. I have no relation with him. I'm not a Jets fan. I'm not an Alabama fan. I don't give a shit. I just want to hear this guy speak. He cracks me up. Every time I see a video of him, I literally laugh out loud uh, watching him sign autographs or talking about how he's going to play with himself on Madden. Like I love this dude, and I, I hope that we have him for the next 20 years. I hope he's an absolute just superstar in the NFL so we keep putting a microphone in front of his face and i feel like he'll never change he's so <laughs> innocent we were talking about that last night yeah he just is who he is I, I the video of him handing out oreos at jets camp to people that are asking for autographs is unbelievable and, and talking, also talking to kids yeah. about like getting his braces tightened yeah <laughs> he's a treasure he's one of them he's <laughs> yeah, one of them he it's ridiculous. I think it's it's just so fun. And find somebody as dedicated to Madden Ultimate Team as Quinton Williams. He's talked about it for like well over a year now. I didn't think anyone plays Madden Ultimate Team. All he talks about is who's been on his ultimate team. And it's all of his teammates, basically, when it comes down to it. I guess I would... I feel like you have to go... You know, all jokes aside, I feel like you have to go with someone you know. That's why Matt said mellow. I feel like I would go with my dad. Um, but if I had to go with a celebrity icon... 
that's really tough. I think I would want Dave Chappelle to do it so I would laugh <laughs> and like loosen me up before doing it. Someone like that. Quinn Williams is a phenomenal choice because he would just make you laugh and smile the entire time. I feel like Emmett, by the time I would be old enough to get in, I think Emmett could do a pretty good job. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Yeah, just let him do it. Um, he would have everybody laughing, so that would be fine. Uh, last question from Al. This is simple. Would you rather have a beer with Lane Kiffin or Mike Leach? Mike Leach is so weird. So I don't think I would like Mike Leach. I don't either because I think that he would turn into that drunk guy that I saw at the bar last night. And it's like, what the hell are you even talking about anymore? Like, I don't know. I just want to go talk to somebody else. So I'm going to say Kiffin, at least with Lane Kiffin, you know, you could scheme on some honeys and and go have a good time with Mike Leach. You're just sitting there like, what the fuck did I get myself into? I feel like Mike Leach is like the guy who after two beers is telling you like not the cool conspiracy theory shit, but like. You know, he believes it and actually has a bunker in his backyard yeah, and, and when everything. you are not as invested, he's going to, like, go off the rails and get pissed off at Yeah, you. I just don't want to deal with that. And he's like a pirate. That's not... I don't need to roll with that kind of crowd. I, I think he would be not a great drinking partner. I'm with you guys. There's the point where you're sitting there and you're like, how do I get out of here? I think you'd reach that point with Mike Leach within two hours, <laughs> I mean, easily. You, you want to get, like, blazed out of your mind and have a good time. I think totally. Leach wins that one. But if we're talking yeah. about drinking beers, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go Kiffin. If you just want to yeah, kick back. Like, I have so many questions for the lane train that it would never get old. <laughs> yeah. I, and oh, I, think, I know. Yeah. I right? want to know about what happened at Alabama. I want to hear about getting left at USC. Like, I just want to know all of it. I've heard some stories. Yeah, I was I just going to say. The, I need the confirmation. The early 2000s USC stories, I'm sure that it was just nuts. He was a young, good-looking guy coaching at USC. I bet that dude has some stories to tell. Yeah, I bet he does as well. All right, that is our show. We will be back Wednesday morning breaking down the Pac-12. We are almost through our college football previews, uh, and then we will shift. I imagine, um, speaking of in-season plans, we are still figuring out what this show will sound like on each morning because we'll have, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday shows for you guys still. But how are we going to cover college football, NFL, and the NFL draft? So um, if you guys have anything, you're like, hey, don't lose this segment. Tweet at us, let us know, or leave it as an iTunes review because we are in the next couple weeks trying to perfect what Stick to Football will sound like through the season. So thank you for listening. We appreciate you guys. For Mello and Connor, it's Matt, and we'll talk to you real soon. 